We're going to read in John chapter 15. We're going to read verse 11 and then 18 through 27. John chapter 15, verse 11, then jump down to 18 through 27. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it. But you're no longer part of the world. I chose you to, be, to come out of the world so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than a master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would have listened, or they would listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me also hates my father. And if I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, they have seen everything I did, yet they still hate me and my father. This fulfills what's written in their scriptures. They hated me without cause. But I will send you the Advocate, the Spirit of Truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. Thank you, Michael. Good morning, church. It's great to see each and every one of you here this morning. Hold your Bibles there in First or John chapter 15 and 16, and we'll meet there in just a few minutes. I want to encourage everyone to be thinking about something that we will be doing next Monday evening. Uh, this is November the 12th. Uh, last year, about this time, we began um, by doing a Thanksgiving meal for the men at the Adult and Teen Challenge uh, here in Savannah. And this year we're going to do that again uh, here in November, and we're hoping to invite uh, some of the families of these men to attend. And so we need your help. Number one, we want you to know that you all are invited invited that evening. We're going to meet uh, in the ministry building because we hope to have a, a big crowd. And so if you can be here, we want you to plan to be here that evening. That's next Monday, November the 12th. Also, uh, Miss Carol and Miss Diane uh, need your help with the meal. So if you can help with that, Please sign the list in the foyer. Also, see them for details, either today or this week. Uh, Miss Ann Burgess is going to be in charge of decorating that evening. And so if you would like to help her, uh, you're asked to, uh, to see her to help with decorating. Greg Cochran will be in charge of uh, preparing a, a lot of the, the turkey and things like that. And so he needs your help. And so if you can help Greg with that, please uh, see Greg as well. Uh, as we've mentioned, this is a year since we've started these once-a-month meals, and so we want to encourage you to be a part of this uh, as we uh, encourage these men uh, in their journey and also plant a seed uh, to them uh, and encourage them and uh, hopefully plant a seed that they may come and, and, and be with us someday uh, if they can, but also uh, to encourage their families uh, as, as they will be here too. Not sure how many will be able to come, but we want you to be here. This is, a, this is a big deal and a big opportunity for us to influence these men 
and these families. And so, if you can be here on the 12th, that will be great. If you can help Miss Carol and Miss Diane, please see them. Sign the list in the foyer. If you can help decorate, see Miss Ann Burgess. If you can help with the turkey, see Greg Cochran. And be praying about uh, this opportunity uh, as well. Uh, it's always good when we have the opportunity to work together and serve together. And this is just one of the many opportunities that we continually have. Uh, and there will be others coming up. But I want you to be thinking about uh, next Monday, November the 12th. There's a lot of stuff here in chapter 16, and we do not have time to, to deal with all those things, but there's some interesting things that come out that I want us to think about. You know, I, I really appreciate uh, the opportunity that we have to study Scripture in our Bible classes. And this morning we had a great discussion in our class, and I, I hope that, that you did as well. But the interesting thing that all these discussions and all the lessons that we have, they're meant to draw us to Jesus. They're meant to challenge us in our walk with Him. And they're meant to challenge us to look beyond today our future. And that's really what Jesus is trying to do here with His disciples. As we've looked at the last few chapters in the book of John, and, and as He's been in that upper room, and as He's entered this conversation with these disciples, uh, it, it's a similar challenge that He's trying to get them to realize, look beyond today. Have you ever had your joy just seemingly ripped away? You know how that feels, don't you? Well, it seems that this is kind of what Jesus is preparing His disciples for in John chapter 16. And He's trying to get them to, to see beyond the sorrow and the things that they are, will be going through. I mean, you think about the roller coaster of emotions. They have been there and witnessed that triumphant parade into Jerusalem and people shouting Hosanna and laying down palm branches in their clothes and, and, and just the excitement of that event. And then Jesus has bent down and washed their feet in the upper room. He's identified His betrayer. He's also told Peter, you will also betray Me. They have heard Jesus tell him that He would be departing. John chapter 14. They had heard Him remind them and challenge them, John 15, to, to remain connected to Jesus. And therefore you will have fruitful lives. He had reminded them and challenged them to love one another as He has loved them. And then as Michael read for us, he's reminded them, the world has hated me first, so don't be surprised. Don't be surprised, followers, when the world hates you as well. And then in chapter 16, he's going to, uh, the end of chapter 15, in the beginning of chapter 16, he's going to tell them uh, about the, the coming helper. He's going to tell them uh, about sorrow that they would have. And, and so he's trying through John chapter 16 to get them to see where true joy is found. And that's first found, he says, listen, I'm going to depart, but I'm not going to leave you alone because I'm sending the helper, the Holy Spirit, for you. 
And so take joy in that. I'm not going to leave you alone. Take joy in that you will have help. What is joy? Well, one source I found, I want you to notice what the Bible says. It says joy found in the Old Testament. Is a, there's a general usage of the term applying to the state of the mind in a pleasurable experience. The particular usage, however, is a religious emotion, this source says. This is most notable in the Psalms where it appears as a natural consequence of the individual's fellowship with God who is the source of joy. In the New Testament, it's richer. A richer description of joy. The mighty redemptive work of God, especially the coming of His Son and the resurrection of Christ were causes of joy. Joy in the New Testament. These were causes of joy. Joy in the New Testament is not merely an emotion like is described in the Old Testament, but a characteristic of the Christian, of the Christian life. It is a fruit produced of the inner working of the Holy Spirit, Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. Being a dynamic rather, being a dynamic rather than static. It is not affected by circumstances, however adverse and painful. In fact, joy may be the outcome of suffering of Christ's sake. And that's what he's trying to get his disciples to understand. That it's not about the circumstances. It's not about going from the parade, going to the depths of sorrow. There's something greater. All of us want joy, right? But joy is different from happiness. You see someone said happiness is what happens around you as a part of your circumstances. And joy is what happens deep inside your soul and your spirit. So biblical joy, as Strong calls it, a calm delight or gladness. That is more than an emotion. It's a characteristic of the Christian life. Paul says in Galatians 5, that comes from our surrender to Jesus Christ and our walk in the Spirit and therefore is fulfilled in not just the immediate, but knowing that we will be with Christ again. And so Jesus begins this discord telling them about joy. And He tells them about this coming Helper, the Spirit. And he says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you this helper. And it's to your advantage, he would say, that I depart so that I can send the helper, the Holy Spirit. He was preparing them and letting them know that they should have joy in this coming helper. And John would say in John chapter 16, he would say that this coming helper, the Holy Spirit, he's going to convict, reprove, convince the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And then John says to the disciples, he's going to guide you into all truth. And that, disciples, he's saying, can bring you joy. Well, here's the, here's the point for us. We too have access to this same power in the Holy Spirit. It's already been mentioned that a fruit of the, part of the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Galatians 5, Paul says, if we walk in the Spirit. Remember in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, that, that great response of Peter to those people who were convicted, the Bible says. They were convicted... And he says, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Turn your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 8, if you will. Romans chapter 8.
Notice what the Bible says about the Spirit. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Sounds a lot like Galatians chapter 5. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally, that's worldly minded, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Look at verse 9. But you are not flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And Christ is in you. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, These are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. And heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. So Paul reminds us in the church as Christians, we have that helper, the Spirit of God. We have the same power, access to that power to us. And that should bring us joy. And we don't have to get carried away in in all the crazy things that people want to say about the Spirit. But this is power from God. And we have access to that. And Jesus says, listen, I'm not going to leave you alone. Because He's about to tell them, you're going to be sorrowful because I'm leaving. But I'm not leaving you alone. I'm not leaving you alone. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, Do you not know that you are the temple of God? And that the Spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. As Christians and the church. 
1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Verse 19 of 1 Corinthians 6. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? So we too have access to Father God and to this power from Father God through Jesus Christ, through our surrender and our obedience to Jesus Christ and our walk in the Spirit. And that will help us to receive receive joy in the midst of pain and suffering. But I want you to know, Jesus doesn't just stop there. Uh, Look at verses 16 and following in 1 John, or John chapter 16. He says, He tells His disciples, A little while and you will not see Me. And again, a little while you will see Me, because I go to the Father. Then some of the disciples said among themselves, What is this that He says to us? A little while and you will not see Me. And again, a little while and you will see Me. And because I go to the Father, they said, therefore, what is this that He says a little while? We do not know what He is saying. Now Jesus knew that they desired to ask Him, and He said to them, Are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said a little while, and you will not see Me? And again a little while, and you will see Me? Most assuredly I say to you, that you will weep and lament. That's sorrow, that's the sorrow that's coming. But the world will rejoice. And you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for her joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. Jesus says, your sorrow will be transformed, turned into joy. Isaiah 53 and verse 3 says of Jesus, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows. Anybody understand what sorrow is? Jesus understands. And familiar with suffering. But over in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, the Bible describes him as one who for the joy set before him endured the cross. The cross transformed sorrow into joy for Jesus. And it would for the disciples. And it does for you and I. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Paul says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Transformed means changed. And Jesus wants His disciples to remember that yes, you will have sorrow, but that will be transformed into joy. Remember Jesus told His disciples, A little while and you will not see Me, and again a little while you will see Me. What was He saying to them? Because they didn't really understand at the time. Some have believed that possibly He's talking about His impending death on the cross and resurrection. Where? When He was on the cross and put in the grave, they did not see Him. But in the resurrection, they did see Him. Others 
say that, well, it's possible uh, that he's talking about his total uh, return to the Father. Uh, that kind of fits with John 16, 16, because I go to the Father. Uh, John 16 and verse 10, because I go to the Father, you see me no more. And in that sense, they wouldn't see him until they were gathered with him in glory, which would be joyful. And so either way it is, what exactly he's talking about is really not the point. The point is, your sorrow that you will have will be turned to joy. Jesus then uses the illustration of a woman in labor. While in labor, that woman is in pain. She's in anguish. But what about when she delivers that baby? Jesus said, she says this, no longer she remembers the anguish, but joy that a human being has been born into the world. The same baby that caused the pain also was used to bring joy. One person said it this way, in birth God does not substitute something else to relieve the mother's pain. Instead He uses what is there already to transform it. And he's wanting to do the same for the disciples. Someone else said, God takes seemingly impossible situations and transforms trial into triumph and sorrow into joy. And in chapter 16 and verse 22 he says, Therefore you now have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. So what trial are you going through today? Because you see, here's the promise. The promise is not that the trial or the sorrow of that trial is going to be taken away. But that God can take that sorrow and turn it into joy. And that's kind of hard to grasp, as even as I say it. You know, it really doesn't make any earthly sense, does it? But we're not talking about earthly sense. We're talking about spiritual sense. You see, one of those joys is, the book of Revelation tells us, God will wipe away every tear. There will be no pain, no sorrow. And folks, that can bring us joy. Because we can read about some scary things that happen to God's people in Scripture. And there can be some scary things that can happen to God's people today. I'm thankful we have people walking around this building right now seeking to protect us. But you see, the reality is bad things can happen in this world. Bad things will happen in this world. But Jesus rounds out this chapter. Be of good cheer. 
overcome the world. Jesus has not gone through anything that He's not asked us to follow. He's been there. He's done that. But look in verses 23 and 24. Jesus says, And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Jesus says also, you can have joy because the Helper is coming. You can have your sorrow turn to joy. And here's another source of joy, is prayer. We can have joy through prayer. You see, prayer was an important part of the life of Jesus. After sending His disciples away and and sending the multitude away, look at Matthew 14 and verse 23. And when He had sent the multitude away, He went up on a mountain by Himself to pray. It was not only important to Him, He not only talked about it with His disciples in the upper room, but He practiced it. Mark 1.35, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, He went out and departed to a solitary place, and there He prayed. When the disciples came to Him asking Him, Why couldn't we cast out this demon? Jesus responded in Mark 9 and verse 29, This can come out by nothing but prayer, and fasting. Jesus taught His disciples about prayer. Jesus practiced prayer. And in John 15, He taught him that prayer was a source of a fruitful life. In addition to their sorrow about can will be turned into joy. He wants them to know that the time is coming. The time is coming when you can approach the throne of Jehovah God and ask in my name. You see, what was it until that point? Going to the temple. Share your requests with the priest. And the priest will go in once a year to the most holy place and ask forgiveness for your sins and, and make your requests known. But you see, disciples, there's coming a time. We're close. There's coming a time when you will be able to approach the throne of Almighty God and you can ask in my name. You see, there was no need to ask in Jesus' name up to that time. Jesus was there with him. If they wanted to ask, they could ask Jesus, the Son of God. But you remember, Jesus has told them a couple times, I'm going to depart. You're going to have sorrow, but your sorrow will return to joy. You see, He reminded them, it, it's... To your advantage that I go, because when I go, John 14, that's preparing a place for you. When I go, then I can send the Helper. And when I go, you can approach the throne of Jehovah God Himself personally through me and ask in my name. It brings a joy. To know and see, that's what makes prayer so powerful. It should bring us joy because we have the opportunity anytime and anywhere through Jesus Christ and through our walk in the Spirit to approach the throne of Almighty God. Jehovah God, the Creator of the world. And He will hear 
And we can ask in the name of Jesus. And folks, Jesus told his disciples, and no one can take that joy away from you. This is one of the things that makes prayer so important. And we have the opportunity to spend time talking with Jehovah through Jesus Christ. Charles Hodge said, We fail in prayer because we misunderstand God in faith. When the sovereignty of God is stressed, is not stressed rather, God loses His greatness. The Bible loses its authority. Obedience loses its virtue. And the church loses one of its priorities. A proper reverence for God is the fertile soil of a contrite prayer. Prayer demands a priority for God. And Jesus says, listen, this is, this is a place, a, a source of joy that you can have. That you can approach the throne of Almighty Jehovah God and ask in the name of Jesus. Uh, listen to the way Paul also describes uh, another aspect of the Spirit working in our prayers. Romans chapter 8 and verse 25. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And folks, that brought the disciples joy. And we too can have access to that same joy in those same ways. There's a third century man that was anticipating death. And he penned these last words to his friend. It is a bad world. An incredibly bad world. But I have discovered in the midst of it a quiet and holy people who have learned a great secret. They have found a joy which is a thousand times better than any pleasure of our sinful life. They are despised and persecuted, but they care not. They are masters of their souls. They have overcome the world. These people are Christians. And I am one of them. What a powerful example. What a powerful opportunity. In a bad world... We see it on the news all the time. Bad stuff happening. And we can show, actually God can show, through us, His people, the joy of the Lord that goes beyond circumstances. Because we too have access to that power of the Helper, the Holy Spirit. We too 
have access to that power that can transform our sorrow, our pain, our suffering. Not removing the events or the circumstances, but the joy that Jesus will return. We will get to see Him face to face. We will be with God. But in the meantime, we can also receive joy through knowing that our prayers come before the throne of Almighty God. And we can ask in Jesus' name. Do you have access to that power today? By being a Christian. By surrendering your life to Jesus Christ and say, I'm ready to stop living the way I was. I'm ready to make Jesus the King of my life. I'm ready to die with Him in that watery grave of baptism so that I can rise in newness of life. Having access to the Helper and to the throne of God Almighty Himself. Having the ability to talk to God and ask Him to help me with things. If you've not done so, let me ask you this question. Why do you wait? Why do you wait? There's power in Jesus. Maybe you are here today. And for whatever reason, maybe there's some challenges going on in your life. There's some difficulties. There's some pain. There's some suffering. There's some sorrow. And we are here with you today to say, listen, we don't have it all figured out. But we want you to know we're in this with you. And we want to help carry that burden. We want to help ease that burden to some degree and bring you joy from God in assisting you with that burden. Do you have a need today? Look around this room. There are people who will not walk out of here and say, man, I can't believe them. There are people who will say, I'm here with you. Do you have a need? Let us help you any way we can as together we stand and sing.